Blog Talk Radio. Stevie B's Media Production is a part of the Shellcaster Network. The proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ by members of the Churches of Christ. With your host, Stevie R. Butler. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Good evening. Wherever you are in the world listening to this radio broadcast, Stevie B's Media Production presents the Gospel Light Radio Show. I'm your host, Stevie R. Butler. And this radio show is being broadcast from Stevie B's Media Production at the Carolina studio in the great state of North Carolina with my co-host, Glenn McMillian from the state of Texas, Dr. Frank Washington from the state of Florida, Clay Phillips from the state of Georgia, Steve Carter from the state of Illinois, Robert Lee Johnson from the state of Florida, Courtney Carruthers from the state of Illinois, and Brian Christian Coleman from the state of New Jersey. Ladies and gentlemen, we are just grateful for the privilege made to bring you a program where we as Christians and members of the Churches of Christ can share our faith and preach and teach the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ on a weekly basis. If you'd like to contact us while we're on the air this evening, just give me a call to the live show at 713-955-0508. Or you can go to the Blog Talk Radio website and listen to the live show there. There are over 17, well, actually 1,800 live shows on Blog Talk Radio at this hour. And my radio show has consistently been on the first two pages of that website. When I last checked, it was on page two. It might actually be on page one right now. So it's on page one or two on that website. If you have any questions or comments from any of my co-hosts on the show this evening, just uh, send your questions to my new email address, butlersteve1009 at yahoo.com. Or you can call Stevie B Media Production at the Carolina Studio at 910-491-6405. Now, again, this program is brought to you by members of the Churches of Christ. And if you need any assistance in locating a congregation in your area, please feel free to contact us. Now, folks, get out your Bibles and stand along with us here on the Gospel Light Radio Show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Before we go into our program for this evening, I would ask that you would bow with me in a word of prayer that we may thank God for this opportunity. Our most kind, gracious, loving Heavenly Father, the Father, Lord, and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for allowing us to go through the various activities of the day and placing it on our hearts that we are on this broadcast and we are prepared now to present a portion 
of your holy and divine word. Father, we pray that you would be with my co-hosts, Brian Christian Coleman and Steve Cordo, as they break into our listeners the bread of life. And also my co-host, Glenn McMillian, who will be answering the question that are on the hearts of so many. We just pray that you will bless them and their families that support their efforts as well. Father, we pray that you would bless our listeners who are tuning in via Blog Talk Radio as well as through social media. We pray that they may listen well that they may consider their eternal stance before you and that their hearts may be pricked. It will cause them to ask the question, what must I do to be saved? Father, we thank you so much for sending your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. We're just so grateful for his precious sacrifice on Calvary's cross. For without such a sacrifice, we would not have a hope of eternal life. Father, even now, we ask that you would forgive us for the transgressions of our own heart. We know our flesh is weak. And we often fall short of thy will. For we pray that you will continue to bless us and keep us in love us all the days of our lives. And that we have been faithful until death. For we pray that you will save us. For it's in Christ's name we do ask it all. Amen. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Ladies and gentlemen, in the first segment of the broadcast, my co-host Brian Christian Coleman. He serves the Newark Church of Christ there in Newark, New Jersey. He'll be making his proclamation of the gospel of Christ. And in the second segment, I have a question from my shout-out platform on social media, Facebook. I'll be posing to one of my co-hosts, Lynn McMillian. He serves the Waterview Church of Christ there in Richardson, Texas. And to close out the show, my co-host Steve Cordell. He serves as the evangelist for the East Park Church of Christ there in Danville, Illinois. He'll be making his proclamation of the gospel of Christ close out the show. So open up your Bibles now and open your minds and let's have a great show. After the break, the next portion should be that of my co-host, Brian Christian Coleman. Enjoy the show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Just for a crown of the light. 
You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Give your attention to the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now my co-host, Steve Corder from the East Park Church of Christ. Good evening, Stevie, and thank you for having me on the program once again. Welcome to everybody out in the listening audience. Thank you for joining us. If you have your Bibles, want to open up to Galatians chapter 4. We're going to look at a verse in that book, and we're actually going to look at several other verses. This lesson that I'm doing this evening, entitled, What If Jesus Had Never Been Born? Not an original idea with me. It's loosely based on an idea from a book by the late D. James Kennedy. It was first published in 1994, and the title of the book that he co-wrote with Jerry Newcomb is, What If Jesus Had Never Been Born? And have you ever stopped to consider how different the world would be if Jesus had never been born? Now, some unbelievers consider Christianity and Jesus to be a a menace to society that uh, needs to be removed and stamped out, but they've never really thought about how the birth of Jesus has affected the world in which we live. And nothing could be more applicable at this time of year as people are thinking about Jesus and him coming to earth, nothing could be more applicable than to stop and consider how great the impact Jesus has had on human history. And immediately we think of his mission to save man from the consequences of our sins, and we will consider that. I'm going to look at that here in a little bit, but I want you to think about the repercussions of his birth are even far more reaching than that. Let's look at some other areas where his his, uh, life has had a lot of meaning for us. We have to understand that Jesus' birth was not an accident. Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5 says that when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were living under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. So, 
what if Jesus had never been born? Let's consider that question for just a little bit at this uh, time of year while people are thinking about Jesus. And I realize there are people in the Lord's Church who really don't like to talk about Christmas and Easter and things like that, but they are facts of life, and let's use them as lessons, object lessons, to be able to teach people the truth about Jesus, because there's going to be a lot of movies on the Hallmark Channel, and you're going to get documentaries on the Discovery Channel, the Learning Channel, this channel, that channel, whatever channel, and they're not going to be accurate. Now, they're going to take some liberties that uh, are not necessarily malicious, but a lot of those media sources do, don't even try to be accurate with uh, their portrayal of Christianity. And we've even unfortunately got a lot of denominations out there that are calling themselves Christians, but they are teaching falsely about Jesus. I just uh, am uh, about halfway through, a little more than halfway through a book by a well-known uh, denominational preacher who just passed away last year, who didn't believe the Bible, didn't believe that Jesus uh, was God incarnate, didn't believe in the virgin birth, a whole laundry list of biblical doctrines that he denied. And uh, he's a New York Times bestseller and traveled around the world lecturing. So people listen to these uh, these denominations they see their credentials that they've got reverend and th that sort of thing in front of their name, and they've got Ph.D. and, and uh, D.D. and all that alphabet soup after their names. And so they think, well, they must be credible. They are, after all, Christians. And I'm doing air quotes. You can't see them on the radio, but I'm doing air quotes uh, that these people are Christians or at least thought to be. So let's use this opportunity. If someone brings it up or if you get the opportunity, use it to... Use Christmas or Easter, whatever, whichever season you're looking at, to open doors and, and talk to people about Jesus with the truth. Now, we know the Bible is silent as to the month, day, and year Jesus was born. But despite that, we can still use it as a teachable moment. Now, someone once told me that they had never heard of a sermon, or, or excuse me, someone once told me they'd never heard of someone converted by a sermon that was preaching against Christmas or Easter, but they had heard of people converted by Christmas and Easter-themed sermons. So let's keep that in mind, and let's look at the fact that because Jesus lived, the world has attached a new value to human life. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 tells us, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. See, the concept of a sanctity of life is a spiritual concept. The word sanctity comes from a Latin word, sanctus, which means holy or sacred to God, or that which God has declared to be of great value. God has declared life to be of great value. He has declared you to be of great value. And even today, in areas where Christianity is not the prominent religion, uh, human life many times is cheap. Psalm 139 says, For you formed me in my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. You know, human life is not a freak accident of nature. <laughs> Excuse me. We didn't just crawl out of some sea slime uh, pool of mud or, or, or cosmic mud or terrestrial mud 
like evolutionists like to claim, God created human beings with a purpose. And I would say the greatest uh, travesty or the greatest uh, uh, sin, if you want to call it that, ever brought upon mankind was not war or disease, but it was, I would say, evolution. Because evolution stripped God of his power, or tried to anyway, and uh, it stripped him of his providence, or tried to. But and in the eyes of its adherents, it really has stripped uh, man of the value of the gift of life. If we are just animals, then you know a higher form of animal, then and then we are just uh, the product then of a bunch of uh, genetic accidents. We are then just the product of a bunch of mistakes that nature made. But and that is not something that is. I don't know about the, the those in the audience. But to me, that is not something that is really going to be uplifting. It is not something that gives us any purpose in life. And we can think of many of the biggest uh, murderers, like Stalin and Hitler. Most of them embraced evolution to, to some degree. They, they uh, used the churches to their advantage, but they also stuck in evolution and a bunch of other things. That's another discussion uh, for another time that we don't have the time to go into here. But Christianity has changed the value that gets attached to life, especially to children, to women, and to the elderly. In some countries, uh, it was tradition that the elderly were just kind of cast aside when they got to be too old to be able to work or support themselves. Women many times are degraded down to second or class or lower status. But prior to the coming of Christ, abortion and the killing of infants and their abandonment were common practice. You can go back in the Old Testament and see where God prohibited, for instance, passing your children through the fires of Molech. Those were human sacrifices they were making to their God. Living children were being put uh, through these fires and were being sacrificed as burnt offerings to these various pagan gods. But yet along comes Christianity. Oh, and some of these religions will allow the husbands to have three or four wives, like Islam does. But then along comes Christianity. In Ephesians chapter 5, Paul said, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. Notice, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Husbands are commanded in Christianity to love their wives. And then Paul goes on to say that, uh, that he might present her to himself, that is, Jesus might present the church to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle, or such things, uh, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. So notice he says husbands ought to love their own wives uh, as their own bodies. So if I love myself and I'm going to take care of myself, then I need to extend that to my wife and love her and take care of her. And remember to love her as Jesus loved the church. Paul is saying here that the measure of a husband's love for his wife is to be pretty great. It is to be pretty deep. Paul then went on to say that the, uh, then went on to say that this is a command. You are commanded to love your wife. A husband who doesn't love his wife is in violation of biblical teaching, and this is to be an unselfish love that Christ, uh, just like Christ has, a, an unselfish, sacrificial love. And a wife's submission is no, in no way hints that a, that a husband may lord it over her, because Paul told uh, wives to submit to their husbands as uh, the church is, is to be submissive to Christ. Now, we've got to understand this, and we have to put it in its context. 
because it, this is not saying what a lot of Bible critics is saying or claim that this says. Husbands are to love our wives, which means I, I don't make a, a major decision unless I, I sit down and talk to her. I don't decide, hey, we're just going to pull up stakes and move across the country or around the world. I sit down and I talk to her about that. I consider her thoughts, her ideas, her feelings in our uh, relationship. And even though the husband is the head of the household, I do give her uh, deference. And sometimes I'll let her make the decisions or it's something I'll defer to her depending on the circumstances. The, the, the idea of uh, submit and to love, that this relationship is a mixture of a, of a harmonious partnership in marriage. There are times that husbands, yeah, we need to agree with our wives. And if our wife has an idea, a good idea about something, that we just need to go with it and maybe sometimes let her uh, have, have the lead or make decisions. In fact, I know a lot of husbands that will defer most decisions to their wives uh, if they can. But you compare that to other religions. You compare it to Hinduism, where historically the status of women in India was ambiguous. Uh, you know, in theory, she had many privileges enjoyed uh, by men and could be considered exalted. But in practice, most women led pretty miserable lives as servants to their husbands. And in the past, until the uh, until the independence, uh, and India got to be a separate country once again. Well, once they got it from uh, yeah, from uh, Great Britain. Hindu men had the freedom to marry more than one wife or keep mistresses. <clears throat> and there's some uh, uh, evidence and some documentation where a lot of their treatment of women was put, uh, the, uh, the British put a stop to it. And uh, that's something you can look up in the, uh, in, in the uh, history uh, of India. And even their law books were unabashedly male-centric. They, they suggested that women should not be uh, harassed in the homes in which women suffrage would be without peace or happiness, but in the same vein, they prescribed many restrictive conditions for women and curtailed their freedom and gave the husbands a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, liberty that the women didn't have. We're told in Deuteronomy chapter 12, when God is giving Israel instructions about worshiping God and how to serve God, he said, you must not worship the Lord your God in their way, because in worshiping their gods, they do all kinds of detestable things that the Lord hates. They even burn their sons and daughters in the fires as a sacrifice to their gods. Deuteronomy 12, verse 31. Over in Ephesians 6, 4, we're told, Fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. So see, Judaism and Christianity mandate teaching children about God and taking care of them as opposed to the pagan cultures of Molech and other deities that we just read about in Deuteronomy chapter 12, where it's obvious they're doing some things that God does not approve of, nor does he want his people to uh, be involved in. Parents ought not provoke their children, and neither should they abandon responsibilities to guide and correct and discipline them. Uh, sending kids to school, and it's okay to have people to teach them, but we are not to abdicate our responsibility and ignore what's going on in the schools. Of course, with the pandemic, we're seeing more parents who started paying attention to what their kids were being taught, and there's been a backlash in a lot of places. Uh, as a parent, I've got to stay on top of that and make sure that whatever my kid is taught is in, uh, in accord with biblical values, because I want my kid to go to heaven. I, uh, I want her to be a Christian, and it's not going to happen if I just send her off to school and, and ignore what's going on around us. 
we are to bring them up. And this word for bring up implies uh, nourishing and cherishing and doing what is best uh, for, for the child. And we have to, uh, many times we must explain appropriate behavior to our children and correct them because they, they're going to learn by watching us. And occasionally they'll do things that aren't uh, what a parent would deem acceptable, so we need to correct them. We need to do it in love. We need to do it in a way that will help them see uh, the, a biblical worldview, a Christ-like worldview. And we as parents, especially us fathers, the men, guys, we have got to really be modeling good Christian behavior for our, for our wives and for our children. We can't just expect the, the world uh, to do something like that because it's not going to happen if we uh, abdicate it to someone else. If you have a youth program at church, that's great. Uh, but you got to remember, one of these days, your kid's going to graduate from school and they're not going to be in the youth group anymore. So you cannot rely 100% on your church youth group. Parents, you've got to be involved. Men, we have got to be involved and have got to be taking that role. We take our values on human life for granted. We take our teaching for granted many times. But had Christ never been born, listen to this now, if Christ had never been born, it would have been a far different story because human life would be cheap, our children's life would be cheap, women would be cheap, uh, you know, men would be much cheaper if we did not have uh, Jesus come into the world. Now granted, i got to concede the point that Christianity has been misused and abused by a lot of people, uh, particularly as it spread across Europe, uh, to uh, enslave people and to oppress. It's been misused. But when we look at the truth of Christianity, take away the denominational doctrines, take politics out of it, just look at what the Word has to say. It is a liberating uh, teaching. Uh, Jesus came to liberate. He came to bring us, uh, not license, but he came to bring us uh, freedoms that we can have that we wouldn't have under the law and that we wouldn't have in other uh, circumstances. Jesus came so that we could have that, have life and have a peace, uh, uh, be uh, reconciled to God and be at peace with one another and with God. And because Christ lived, it changes how we regard favoritism. You know, another way to look at this is to say that Christianity changed the way the world responds to those in need. Uh, because Paul told individual believers to do good. And, and he spoke to their responsibility in the community as well as in the church. You know, the church was not meant to be, just be a social agency. We are not meant to be just a social uh, club. Uh, and I've been, I've traveled in about half the states and about three, three or four foreign countries, and I've visited churches uh, in a lot of the places where I've been. And some of them, especially here in America, have kind of got that country club atmosphere. We're not uh, looking seriously at winning souls or retaining souls that we have won. But we've got to, got to think about this is not a club. This is not a country club. This is a place where we are teaching and preaching the word of Almighty God. And we've got to take care of those spiritual needs. And if someone comes in with a physical need, they need groceries or, or they need help, we need, if we can't help them meet that need, we should help them find a way of meeting that need. Before the arrival of Christianity, there was really no organized charitable effort in the world. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 21 tells us it is a sin to despise one's neighbors, and blessed are those who help the poor. There was not a lot. In fact, I, it's, my reading of it is there was really no organized charitable or, multi, or uh, public benefit 
uh, uh, benevolent um, uh, society like we have today. But Galatians chapter 6 and verse 10, Galatians chapter 6 and verse 10, we're, we're told to do good to all, especially those of the household of faith. And Christians have started schools, hospitals, service agencies to benefit health and welfare of mankind. Look at a lot of our major universities. They were started, a lot of them as seminaries. Harvard and Yale and a lot of these other uh, older schools were started to train uh, clergymen for various, they were denominationally affiliated, but they were designed to uh, set up originally to train clergy. A lot of the old European universities, that's how they got their start. That's how education came out, and when the missionaries went out, they typically took medical supplies and education supplies. Again, they didn't always do it right or actually uh, with a Christian uh, attitude, but uh, that's where a lot of the education and, and schools and things came from. James chapter 2, the first 13 verses, talks about Christians and favoritism and says we have no business showing favoritism uh, to, uh, to anyone. <clears throat> well, you know, someone comes into our assembly and they're dressed in a really fancy suit. We should not show them any favoritism over the guy who comes in in his blue jeans. There, we're all, you know, strip all that away. We're the same uh, standing before God. He's not going to care where you got your, your suits from or that if you even wore suits when we stand before him in judgment. There's going to be a whole lot of other things going on. Uh, you know, our, our choice of fashion is not going to be one of them. And many times laws in Rome uh, favored the rich, and arguably we've got some today that will favor the rich, but that's not to carry over into the church. There's nothing wrong with uh, having a uh, being successful in business, nothing wrong with making a large salary, uh, making the money, and, and have, there's nothing wrong with that, but you've got to keep your priorities right. And you've got to remember not to favor someone who's wealthy uh, just because they've got uh, money that uh, you don't have or that somebody else doesn't have. Under biblical law, uh, uh, we are to treat one another uh, as, uh, as equals in that regard. Uh, many times other law, traditional Greek philosophers had always rejected distinctions like this as immoral uh, as well. And under biblical law, we need to reject uh, distinctions uh, among classes and among uh, uh, the wealthy versus the poor, and reject those because that is just not something Jesus uh, did. It is not something he wants of his people. And then because Christ lived, the world has changed the way it thinks about learning. This goes back to how uh, missionaries many times established uh, schools. A lot of universities were established with the idea of training clergy, and then they morphed into having business schools and law schools and this and that. But in Matthew chapter 20, you've got to remember, Jesus said to go into all the world and make disciples. I think the old King James says, go ye therefore and teach all nations. That is, Christianity is, is spread by teaching. It is not spread with the barrel of a gun. It is not spread under duress or force or anything like that. We spread it by teaching. We spread it by discussion. So we let people ask questions. Never be afraid of a question. Uh, don't be afraid to say, I don't know, if you don't have an answer. Uh, you're better off to do that than to try to bluff your way through an answer. So that's how we learn. You know, the teacher, just think how when you were in school, you're in the math class, teacher comes in and, okay, here's how we're doing algebra today, and here's our equations and our problems, puts it up there, let's talk about it. Any questions? Okay, you got a question, let's have it. And then you go back and forth. The teacher might ask you a question even, 
And then when you're all done with it, say, okay, here's your homework. I'm right here if you need help. That's how, how teaching is done. We go back and forth, and a disciple is a student trying to be like the teacher. Now, I don't want anyone being like me. I want you to be like Jesus. I want you to look to Jesus, but I'll help you as best I can to become like Jesus. A disciple is that, 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 that student, that learner. In the old days, we called them pupils, but that's what the disciple is. Sinners need to learn about our lost condition so that we can become disciples of, of Jesus, that true discipleship, that we are following Jesus, not just uh, giving mental uh, assent that, yeah, Jesus lived, yeah, he's my Savior, my Lord, whatever. You've got to be making it a part of your life. And, and in many places of education are going to be reminders of the teaching the, the education that Christianity started, many of them, I've mentioned a few of them, many of these early universities established to train uh, ministers and Christianity had given rise to the concept also of education for everyone, not just the wealthy. Our English word school actually comes from an Eng or a Greek word that meant leisure because only the wealthy who had the time could go to school and have the leisure. But now, even the poorest among us can go to a trade school or to a university, uh, such as uh, Harvard, which was established uh, in the, uh, I believe in the 1600s, I can't remember the exact date of it, uh, but it was, uh, although not formally affiliated with any denomination, it was primarily uh, training clergy for Unitarian and clergy, uh, or, uh, Congregationalist clergies, and then uh, in 1701, the collegiate school started in Connecticut. It is now Yale University. It was um, uh, started, uh, was named actually after Elihu Yale, uh, who uh, put uh, the money up to uh, get it started. And originally it was to teach theology and sacred languages. So it was, again, a church uh, uh, teaching school. And its motto actually translated from Latin into English means truth and light. And then amongst the Churches of Christ, a lot of people don't realize it, but Pepperdine University was founded uh, by George Pepperdine, who was a member of the church. He also, for those who are listening uh, out west, he also founded the Western Auto Supply chain of, uh, of uh, auto supply uh, parts stores. Uh, he sunk a lot of his fortune into Pepperdine University, and he was not particularly old when he died. I think it was in his early 60s uh, when, he, when he passed away. So we have a different look at education. Education has turned out differently. Uh, the way we look at uh, people in general has turned out uh, differently because of Christianity. And because Jesus lived, here's the, the, the most important part, we have reconciliation to God. Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 14, we are told, He himself is our peace, that's Jesus is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near. For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father." See, in Ephesians chapter 2, that's beginning in verse 14, because Jesus broke down the dividing wall 
between uh, uh, Jews and Gentiles, we can have unity with one another in Christ. And Christianity is the only religion in the world that can truly be called an equal opportunity faith. Anybody can become a Christian. There is neither male nor female. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither black nor white. Galatians chapter 3 tells us we all stand on level ground before God. We are all sinners in need of salvation. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord that is available to anybody who will accept it. And in uh, Romans chapter 5, we also have to remember this, that he tells us there, beginning in verse 6 of Romans chapter 5, that uh, when we were still without strength and in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Notice who he died for. It says he died for the ungodly. Uh, for uh, scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I want you to think about that for just a minute. When we were still sinners. You know, many times we won't help someone unless they first help themselves, unless they get their act together. But God didn't do that. He did it while we were still sinners. Now, just keep in mind, too, if it was possible for us to get our act together and stop sinning and live a perfect, righteous life, would God have needed to send Jesus? Well, the answer is no. There would have been no need to send Jesus if we could, on our own, become righteous and, and holy before God. But since that is not possible, God sent Jesus to pay the price to atone for our sins. And then if you're still in Romans, Paul goes on, verse 9, Much more than, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received the reconciliation. Now notice this. If, when we were enemies, uh, uh, we were reconciled to God. If, when we were enemies. That is a pretty strong word, isn't it? In my lifetime, I can count, I think, on one hand, the number of people that I would say I count as enemies. And you know what? The last one I would say was way, way, I'd have to go back decades to think of the last person that I would say I actually count as an enemy. But God, or Paul here says we were enemies of God. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I don't want to be in that position. I, I want to be a friend of God. I, I want to be on his good side. And that's why Jesus came, was so that we could uh, make that, it could make that possible for us to be reconciled to God and no longer be enemies of God. Had we any willingness to obey God or, any, or have any uh, love for God, his love to us may, maybe not would have been you know, all that surprising. If we had a desire to want to obey God, He's provided forgiveness for all people through the one-time-for-all uh, one death of his son. You know, many of us 
uh, as humans, at least at one time, we didn't have any any willingness or any any desire to want to serve God. I certainly didn't in my teen years, but it wasn't uh, until into high school and then on into college that I started to get that idea about wanting to serve God, and that's another story for another time, how all that came about. But because it was through a college roommate who studied the gospel with me and uh, and taught me, uh, you know, what I had thought I I thought I was a Christian like anybody else, uh, like many other people do. But uh, uh, he taught me that no, I wasn't. Long story short. But see, God has brought us to Himself through the death of His Son, and He did it while we were sinners, while we were enemies of God, while we had no hope. Then He made that reconciliation possible so that we could all be with the Lord. Now, just think, if Jesus had not come, just think how meaningless our human existence would be. If Christ had not come, there would be no forgiveness of sins. That's a big one. We would have no reconciliation to God without Jesus. If Christ had not come uh, to the earth, there would be no sure hope of eternal life. Is the, now let's think about this. How different is the world now since Jesus was born? Here's another question. Is the world any different or is your world, your community, any different because you are a Christian? Have you made that commitment to Christ? Have, has your life changed since you became a Christian? Anytime anyone uh, uh, obeys the gospel, there's changes in their lives. They may be minor, small changes. Maybe you just have to clean up the language and not, not you know, not not use those four-letter words and, and expletives that, that uh, we all like to use sometimes. It may be something like that. On the other hand, I've known people that have had to make radical changes to their lifestyles because of Christ. But they did it because they had a, an opportunity now to serve God. And if Jesus had not been born, they would not have had that opportunity. So at this time of year when people are thinking about Jesus and a new year is coming in less than a month, why not start a new you? Why not start a new you and start over and be reconciled to God? So you, you, you've heard, if you've been listening to this program, you've heard a lot of gospel messages and you know that you need to be immersed, be baptized into Christ to have your sins forgiven. And if there's some way that me or anybody, uh, any of the, of the speakers on the show can help you, you can contact us through social media. If you have any questions about your salvation, uh, let us help you. And if, if there, contact us or contact the Church of Christ in your area so that we can help you and, and to be on the right track. Thank you for having me on the show, Stevie. That's my lesson for this evening, and we will see you, or I guess you, uh, in uh, the new year. Have a happy new year and a great holiday, everybody. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Lord, you know everything I've done, every thought I've had, you know every and Lord, you know, every time I fall, still you 
come to my rescue when I call And Lord, you hear every idle word Every thoughtless deed How it seems absurd That Lord, you give Not what I am due But mercy You come to my rescue You come to my rescue You come to my rescue
You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Shout it out question. Ladies and gentlemen, we this is the portion of the broadcast. We have a question from my social media platform on Shout It Out. That's on Facebook that we want to pose to my co-host, Glenn McMillian, there in he serves the Waterview Church of Christ there in Richardson, Texas. Glenn, how you doing this evening? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm fine. Now, are you live on Facebook? I am live on Facebook. All right. Now, here is the question. Now, this is a real doozy uh, right here, Glenn. Now, this question is from an anonymous Aquarius, and the Aquarius says, Christians always say everything happens for a reason, and God has a plan. And here's the question. What plan does God have for children dying from disease, hunger, and homeless veterans? What say you to this question? This, this is a very good question. This is something that I, I think that we as Christians need to be able to answer and have a, a, an intelligent conversation about because this is um, – there's more to this question than, than meets the eye. When I pick these questions and when I, I hear these questions, it's always important to remember why is this question being asked? Who is asking this question? And what, what information do they really want from me? Um, and so when they're asking this question about Christians saying that God has a plan and then bringing up these uh, very unfortunate uh, situations, they're really asking two questions. Number one, why do good things happen? Uh, why do bad things happen to good people? And we, I've done a whole lesson on that, um, and that's, that's something that we need to be able to address. And then number two, they're really att- attacking the, the, the concept of the sovereignty of God, and which is not even a concept that uh, we as, uh, as Bible-believing Christians really uh, strongly hold to. So, so where is this? coming from. This idea of God's sovereignty comes again comes out of Calvinism and again I did a whole uh, series of lessons on Calvinism not too long ago and, and the problems that come from that theology. So when you preach and believe the absolute sovereignty of God, which says that nothing happens unless God wills for it to happen, therefore you make God into a micromanager of everything that happens. So when these unfortunate accidents or unfortunate situations come up, children with cancer and homeless veterans and all of those things, bad things that happen to good people, um, then the only, if you're, if you believe in the the sovereignty of God theology, then what you're saying is with our, you know, you're implying, but more than implying, you're actually stating that God is responsible for all that, that God wants those things to happen because, again, if God is sovereign, nothing can happen unless God wants it to happen. So then you have to explain why God wants these children to be born with cancer, why God wants these veterans that served our country to be homeless, and all of those things. They go so far even to say that there's no such thing as chance at all, and that God, uh, you know, if you're watching the football game and you're rooting for one team over the other, that, that God actually has a, a, a reason why one team should win that game. And, and that, again, it goes way too far 
in terms of what God is doing and what, what God is, 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 how God operates in, in the world today. So if we take that misconception, God being completely sovereign in terms of everything that happens has to be part of his uh, explicit will, uh, then we can say, okay, so what is God doing? What is, how, how do we have comfort in the things of this life without God being in control of every single thing that happens? And I think that uh, we have to understand as, as Christians that God is not uh, – a micromanager in that way. I, I, number one, uh, this, we can look at Scripture, Ecclesiastes 9:11, and and the, uh, the 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 wise man, the wise King Solomon, wrote this. I again saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, the battle is not to the warriors, neither is bread to the wise, nor wealth to the discerning, nor favor to the skillful, for time and chance overtake them all. So it's clear from uh, from Solomon's perspective, and again, he was the wisest man who ever lived, that there is an element of randomness to this world. God does not micromanage the universe. God has set things in motion. He has put uh, rules in place that we, you know, the laws of physics, the consequences of our actions, all of those things. And, and again, the, the free will that we have as human beings to make our own decisions, all of those things work together to cause issues and, and, and events to happen in certain ways that God is not in direct control of. It, some of those things are in our control. Some of those things are just the natural order of things, the, the, the randomness of, of, of life. And all of those things happen. They all happen to each one of us. We can't avoid negative things happening in our lives. And, and that's not the way that God would have it to be anyway. I, I, the people who have this, this objection, one of the, another uh, argument that they usually would bring up is that if God was all-powerful and all-caring, then he should step in and stop all suffering from happening. And if he, he can't stop all suffering from happening, then he must not be all-powerful or all-caring. One of those things must not be uh, correct. And that would be true if God were in the stop suffering from happen business. Uh, but that's not what God, how God operates. In fact, suffering is part of living this life as Christians. We go to what what. When I hear that argument, I just that tells me that you haven't actually read the Bible. You especially haven't read the book of First Peter. The book of First Peter is all about suffering as a Christian. God is not in the business of taking away our suffering. God is in the business of being there as we go through our suffering. As Peter says, if Jesus went through all of the suffering that he went through for us, how do we expect to be like him without facing any time of suffering ourselves? Suffering is part of the process of us becoming more like him because it refines the faith that we have. Go to James chapter 1, 
James says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Notice he says, fall into. You're not placed into them. You fall into them. They, they happen to you. They're not, you know, God doesn't throw things in your, in your way. Again, verse 13 of chapter 1, God doesn't tempt you. It's not God putting those things in your way. They happen to you. And because life is random in, in, to some degree. And so those, when those things happen, we shouldn't be upset at God or cursed out or, or be upset about it in general. We should count it and enjoy it. Why? Because going through that trial produces patience, produces the, the refining fire that is going to make your faith stronger when you get through it. Does it, is it pleasant to go through at the time? Of course not. It's never pleasant to go through negative circumstances. It's never pleasant to have bad things happen in your life. And while you're going through it, it's definitely going to be a challenge to your faith. And it's supposed to be. Um, but having your faith challenged in that way and, and holding on to your faith through that challenge and still remaining faithful to God after the challenge is over um, and seeing how God can work in your life while you're going through, through such through challenges, through trials, through suffering, is how we grow stronger as Christians. It's not God's business to take suffering away from you because then you wouldn't have those experience. You wouldn't have that refining fire. You wouldn't know what your faith, how strong your faith is if it's never been tested. And so that is the, the theological answer. Is that always comforting to the people that need to hear it at the time? Uh, no. <laughs> uh, I think that when, when you hear this, uh, God has a plan, and get, it, it all, it's all under God's control, it's usually said by people who are trying to be uh, comforting, trying to console someone as they're in the midst of a struggle. And the problem is that when you phrase things that way, um, you bring in all of the negative implications that we just, we, we just discussed. Like if God really has a plan and this you know, thing that you're going through is part of God's plan, then again, you're blaming God. You're telling this person that God gave you this, this, this situation and he expects you to work your way out of it. Um, and that, <laughs> that is not as comforting as, as you think it sounds when you say that. So, so what do we mean when God has a plan? Does God have a plan? And is there a better way that we can address these situations without uh, you know, tarnishing the name of God while we do it? Um, I think when, when we talk about God's ultimate plan, God has a, a timetable in his head for how things are going to wrap up here. He, had, he definitely had a plan throughout the, throughout the Bible times that we see that, that he is going to save mankind through Jesus Christ. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He brought it, ushered in salvation, ushered in the, the church so that we could all have the opportunity to be saved. The only thing that's left on his agenda is to wrap things up. And, when he wraps things up, when he, when he calls us all home, uh, that's on his timetable, and he knows when that's going to happen, and we don't. The only thing that we do right now is we try to save as many people as possible 
uh, until that time comes. Um, and so that's God's plan. The day-to-day operation of what, you know, how things work out and, and the random things that happen in your life, none of those are planned events. Those are just, as a solid as time and chance happening to a thing. Um, and so when, when we, again, when we fall into those things, we need to remember what, what Peter said, that that suffering is, is part of the Christian problem. That suffering is part of uh, what we need to go through. We know that our Savior went through suffering. We should expect to, to suffer in the same way. And it's the holding on to God's hand while we're going through those things, even when we don't understand, even when we feel like we are getting too much to, for us to be able to, to bear on our own. That's why, we're, that's why we're members of the church, because there are going to be things that are too, too much for our one individual person to handle. And that those those burdens have to be shared, and that's what the church is there for. Those burdens have to be taken to the cross and left there. That's what what this whole salvation process was was, was put in place for. Uh, but you know that that's a hard thing, hard pill to swallow sometimes when when we're going through it, or when we see other people going through things and they don't know Christ in the same way, they don't have the same resources to, to rely on. All, the, the, the church is open to everyone. Everyone has the opportunity to, to be a part of this community, to be a part of God's family, to see God working in their lives uh, and, you know, and draw on that strength. And if a person doesn't have that resource, then, then it's your opportunity to, to tell them about it, give them the opportunity to, to draw on it and, if they reject it, if they want to to go on it on their own, then that's then that's their choice. But um, you know, it's not again, it's not God's fault. God is not the one who is you know causing these things to happen. They're just we live in a in a in a fallen world that is uh, is touched by sin. There are random events that happen um, just because of physics and people's choices and all the things that happen, all of that put together is causes random randomness in, in our lives. That's going to lead to some suffering. Um, and unfortunately, uh, it, it, it's going to happen to everyone. But the good news is, you know, we if we have faith in God and we have have faith in Christ, uh, we get we can get through it, and it's going to make us better on the other end. And, and when when we go through those experiences, then we can share those experiences with other people. This is good. You're going through this thing. Let me tell you about the time that I went through something very similar. This is how God helped me out here, and this is what you can do to to to, to get through it. If you've never gone through anything, if you've never suffered, you have no no comforting words to say to somebody who who has suffered. So again, there is purpose. There is uh, meaning in in the suffering, it just doesn't always feel that way in the moment, unfortunately. But um, again, all of this is is, is for the, the purpose of it is to uh, to refine our faith, to make us stronger as we go through it. And and God is there to to be with us as we go through these things. But 
but no, God is not a micromanager. God is not going to uh, take away your suffering just because you 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 are a Christian, and, and, and that that's not the way the world works. The, the way the world works is God has a plan, and His plan is to to wrap this world up. This this world is decaying. It's been decaying since the fall of man in 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 the Garden of Eden, and and we see that you know as we go outside that this this world is falling apart, uh, and it's it's only a matter of time before God wraps this thing up and, and we all go to our final destination. It's how we get through day to day is we, we know that God is ultimately in control um, and God is going to give us the resources that we need if we are faithful uh, to get through whatever trial, challenges and trials uh, we are going through in, in the moment. Um, so I hope that's helpful. I hope that that is um, a better answer than than what what you've been hearing on on this subject, um, yeah, God is in control, but He's not directly in control of everything. He's He's there to help you through your suffering. He's not there to take away your suffering. So suffering has a purpose. It has a point of refining your faith. And if your faith is never tried, never tested, then it's never purified. It's never given that that. Uh, that seal of, of approval because it hasn't been hasn't been tested. Only things that have been tested can be can be approved. So the lesson is yours. Uh, I hope that that's been a satisfactory answer. And uh, keep listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Shout it out! Question. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Is your congregation in need of lending for a building or expansion project? As your partner and advocate, Diversified Financial Network will take the time to understand your unique situation and develop a financing solution that meets your specific needs. It's an exciting time for your congregation, and what you need is a company with expertise in church financing early in the process. Call us today at 1-866-513-6665. Or visit us at www.diversifiedfinancegroup.com. This is a program reminder. Stevie B's Media Production presents. We're airing live shows here on Blog Talk Radio. Telephone number to the live show is 713-955-0508. All the websites typed in your browser, www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash gospel light radio show on tuesday evening i'm hosting a live show the second the third and the fourth tuesdays of the month and the second tuesday of the month that show will air from 6 to 8 p.m eastern standard time 5 to 7 p.m central standard time and we will have a guest speaker from the brotherhood of the church of christ who'll be making the proclamation of the gospel of christ and also during that live show we have a community corner segment that segment designed for small business owners and entrepreneurs who have products and services for our communities I also have four co-hosts on that show. Luke Gibber, he's the evangelist for the Oakbrook Park Church of Christ there in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And Isa Mullins, he serves with the Church of Christ there in Cary, North Carolina. And on the third Tuesday of the month, that show will air from 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 6 
p.m. Central Standard Time. And this is a new production. We have Dr. Therical Lane. She's a board-certified obstetricianist and gynecologist. And she will be doing a show every third Tuesday of the month called Conversations with Dr. Lane. She serves with the Gray Road Church of Christ there in Cincinnati, Ohio. And on the fourth Tuesday of the month, hosting a live show uh, at 7 p.m., Eastern Standard Time, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time, and my co-host Kelly Fletcher, she will be hosting this show. She serves with the Livingstone Church of Christ in Indianapolis, Indiana, and she'll be hosting the Kelly Fletcher Show. And then on Thursday evening, each week from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 5 to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, I'll be hosting a live show, the Gospel Light Radio Show. And on this broadcast, I have seven co-hosts, Clay Phillips, Dr. Frank Washington, Steve Cordo, Robert Lee Johnson, Glenn McMillian, Courtney Carruthers, and also Brian Christian Coleman as my co-hosts on that show. And they'll be making their proclamation of the gospel of Christ. Each week I have two of my co-hosts on the air with me. And I'll also be taking a question from my social media platform on Facebook called Shout It Out. So I'll be posing to one of my co-hosts on that live show. Then on Friday night each week from 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 8 to 10 p.m. Central Standard Time, I'll be hosting a live show, Stevie B. Acapella Gospel Music Black. And this radio show is the 2022 recipient for the McCamma National Academy of Christian Acapella Music Artists Award, Outstanding Achievement in Record or Radio. And on this show, I'm playing some of the world's greatest acapella gospel music artists, the sweet sounds of voices. And we're also interviewing artists, producers, comedians, etc. We also debut a new music featuring old music as well. And every third Friday of the month, I'm doing my Top 20 Countdown show. And for the year 2023, there will be a new Top 20 Countdown for the year 2023. And we also have our on-demand episodes. There's a variety of musical platforms that you can go to to listen to these shows. Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Apple iTunes, Deezer, YouTube, just to name a few. Also, have recorded version shows. These recorded version shows can only be heard on iHeartRadio, on Deezer, and also on Amazon Music. We want to thank all of our sponsors who are sponsoring these radio shows. If, if you would like to be a sponsor, just contact my sponsorship manager. Her name is Michelle Marco from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. You can give her a call at 954-687-4705. The three E's of Stephen B. Media Production is the objective of this broadcast. We want to educate, we want to edify, and we want to encourage you in the study of God's Word. And that will conclude our program announcements. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. My co-host, Brian Christian Coleman, is up next. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show.
listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Give your attention to the proclamation of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Now my co-host, Brian Christian Coleman from the Newark Church of Christ. Good evening, brothers and sisters. It's good to be with you here in the new year of 2023. On behalf of the members of the Newark Church of Christ, the Leadership Committee, and all the members would like to welcome, give you a happy, happy New Year. We ask and pray that you may pray with me that God may continuously bless the New Church of Christ and that may bring it to better heights in the year of this new, this new year of 2023. We've got to admit that we went through a lot over the last few years. We've been dealing with the coronavirus. We've been dealing with different issues and different um, occurrences, but God, has been so good to us. My lesson this evening is a lesson I used on my New Year's Eve sermon entitled, How to Live a Smoke-Free Life in 2023. How to Live a Smoke-Free Life in 2023. All of us remember the different issues that we faced with the coronavirus well over almost two years ago. At first, we really didn't know much about this virus. We just heard about it. But then once it made its way here in the United States of America and people were getting sick at work in different places, basically the government put us on a shutdown. I'm sure many of you remember the days when we weren't allowed to leave the home. Here in New Jersey, we had to stay in the home. The only time we were able to go out is for those essential items. And sometimes when you had to go to the store, you had to get up early in the morning. Sometimes 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning, you had to be in line, and they only allowed a certain number of people to enter the store to prevent people from being infected from the coronavirus. We had to stand six feet apart wherever we went. We had to wear a mask everywhere we went when we went out in public. There was no substitution of a mask. You had to wear a mask. And some places you had to visit, you had to obtain household items. As I mentioned, there's only a certain number of members that went into the store. And if you were looking for bleach and hand sanitizer, I'm sure you discovered that there was none on the shelves. 
You went, when you went to work, we had plastic screens that was put up around our desk. The management created a work schedule that only allowed you to be in the office two to three times a week. But God blessed us through that time and is still blessing us today. And now we can walk around and not be masked up like we used to have to be. Now you see in New York, there's a triple threat of the flu, coronavirus, and some other illness. And the mayor of New York wants everyone to put a mask back on when you're in large crowds. God is still taking care of us since the beginning of our lives, right up until this present moment. And you know that God is so good, you know, he just can't help himself because he is so good. During the lockdown, uh, did you have food on your table? Did you have clothes on your back? Did you have money in your pocket? Did you have a vehicle to drive in? Did you have his protection, grace, and arrival mercy? I'm here to tell you that God is still in the blessing business. When you did what, when you did not have any money for food, didn't God step in? When you didn't have the rent money, didn't God touch the heart of your landlord, and he or she gave you a little bit more time? I stopped by to tell you that God is still in the blessing business. And even though, even right now, he is blessing us, you didn't get to where you go to each and every day without, but only by GPS or a Garmin. You got there by God's grace, his love, and his mercy. And, you know, many celebrities started out the year of 2023 making plans of what they wanted to do. But many of them did not make it to the end of 23. We lost some uh, celebrities such as actor Sidney Poitier, who played in the movie In the Heat of the Night. We lost actress Christy Alley, comedian Louis Anderson, singer Irene Cara, actor Tony Dow from Leave it to Beaver. We lost Queen Elizabeth II, professional wrestler Scott Hall, who was Razor Ramon in the World Wrestling Federation. Singer Jerry Lou Lewis, y'all you remember him? Goodness gracious, great balls of fire. PBS actors Bob McGrath, who played Bob on Sesame Street, and also we lost Emilio Delgado, who played Louise on Sesame Street. Actor Paul Savino, who played on Law and Order in the movie Goodfellas. All these men and women, I'm sure, had made plans the end 2022. But God stepped in and said, that's it for them. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 6 and 7, for he brought nothing in this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Also, the Bible says in Isaiah 55, 7 through 9, my thoughts are not your thoughts, and my ways are not your ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts and your ways. And the Bible is right. Some of us here have faced bereavement in our families in 2022. But I stopped by to tell you that God is still in the blessing business. Our God specializes in healing broken hearts, drying every tear that falls from our eyes, and bring you out of your depression and give you something to cry, thank you, Lord. Our God is able. We may not be able, but our God is able. He is able because I know because God has helped me 
in the loss of my mentor, the late Dr. Eugene Lawton, who died in my arms back in March of 2022. He brought me back from a time of sorrow and heartache to where I'm able to praise him for all of the many blessings, spiritual advice, comfort, support, and encouragement that Dr. Lawton has given me all the many years I worked with him. Our God is able. My scripture comes from the book of Daniel, chapter 3, and you can read it for yourself around verses number 20 to 29, and it deals with how to live a smoke-free life in 2023. My fourth point is the trials of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We said the king of the Babylonians, Nebuchadnezzar, the most powerful man in the world at that time, instructed the construction of a golden image, which was three score cubits, and the breadth of six cubits, Daniel chapter 3 and verse number 1. Once this, this structure was built, Nebuchadnezzar called the people of Babylon and instructed them in Daniel 3 and 5. When they heard the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, saxophone, psalmsy, dulcimer, or of any kind of music, you shall fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar hath set up. Now, everybody in the city did what the king had instructed. This should be an example of us as members of the church should follow. In order for us to be members of the Church of Christ, we should not do what we're doing with everything what everybody else is doing. Even though the orders were given by the king, three young men who were faithful to God by the name of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, did not obey what the king had instructed them to do. Just because everybody is doing what the world is doing does not, not mean that we have to go and do what the world is doing. We should not go to the bars, clubs, nightclubs, play the lottery, smoke cigarettes, smoke marijuana, have sexual relations with men and women outside of marriage, homosexuality, and same-sex marriage. But as Christians, we need to remember that we are not of the world. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 and 16, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. We must remember that whatever is in the world is not from God. Now, word got out about these three Hebrew boys who did not obey the orders by King Nebuchadnezzar. The Bible tells us in Daniel 3 and 12, there are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded thee, they serve not the gods, nor worship the golden image, which thou hast set up. These young men worship the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God who started time, the God who controls time, and the God that one day will stop time. When they stood before King Nebuchadnezzar, the king was angry that they did not obey his instructions in the worshiping of the golden image. Nebuchadnezzar asked why they did not worship the image. 
Then the three Hebrew boys answered the king. The Bible says in, in Daniel 3, 16 to 18, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this manner, meaning they're not scared. They, they will stand up and they're going to speak because they worship the Most High God. The Bible further says, If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. The three Hebrew boys let the king know, we are not careful to answer this thee in this matter, meaning others may be scared of you, king, but we're not scared because our God is able. And I stopped by to tell you this evening, our God is able. They are they also inform the king, <coughs> excuse me, that the God that they served was able to deliver them out of the fiery furnace. Our second point is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are delivered into the fiery furnace. All of you know the Bible in Daniel 3:19. Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury, and the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spake and commanded that they be they should heat, heat the furnace one seven times more than it won't be heated. Also the Bible says in, in Daniel three twenty and twenty one, and he commanded the mighty men that were of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their hosen, their hats, and other garments and were cast in the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. After they were bound and put in the fiery furnace, I'm sure they had, they were, that, that people outside were expecting them to hear some crying, some whining, some screaming of the fire burning them and their clothes, and begging the king to release them. But King Nebuchadnezzar did not hear any such sound from the furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar investigated the furnace. The Bible says in Daniel 3.24, Then Nebuchadnezzar, the king, was astonished and rose up in haste and spake and said to his counselors, Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, True, O king. Now it's about to be shouting time here this evening. In verse 25, the Bible says, He answered and said, Lo, I see four men. Loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Jesus arrived right on time for the three Hebrew boys. The old lady was right when she said he may not come when he want him to, but he's right on he's always on time. How many of us can say that Jesus arrived just in time when he needed when we needed him most? How many of you have lost a loved one, have lost your job, been given the door by your boyfriend or girlfriend, have gotten a foreclosure notice, and your house was up for repossession by the bank? Have you ever opened up your refrigerator and found nothing to eat? Have your bills piled up and you didn't know how you were going to pay them? 
have gotten a layoff notice from your job? Am I talking to anybody here this evening? Have you ever fell in in a depressed state and thought everything is bleak and can't see a way out of your issues? I stop by to tell you that Jesus is the answer. Jesus is able to come down and comfort you during your bereavement, help you find a better job than the one that you lost, will provide you a better man or woman than the one you had and will love you better than your ex did. And he is real and legitimate. He will allow that zero to be be put out of your life. And after he heals your heart, he's going to bless you with a hero. He's going to bless your bank to give you some options in order for you to keep your home. We'll bless you with, with some kind-hearted individuals in the church that will assist you when you need food items to take care of you and your family. We'll bless your funds to pay your bills. And you don't know where it came from, but you can just say, thank you, Jesus. God will bless you with a better job, with better hours, and will bless you with more pay. He will lift you out of your depression and show you that you can make it, even though you may be a little depressed. He will help you stand on your own and be able to make it through this world of life. I'm talking about Jesus this evening. The Bible teaches us in verse 25, the three Hebrew boys were walking around in the fire, and they were not hurt. Jesus acted as their thermostat while they were in the fiery furnace. Then the Bible says in Daniel 3, 26 and 27, then Nebuchadnezzar came near the mouth of the fire, the firing furnace, and spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, ye the servants of the most high God, come forth and come hither. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth of the midst of the fire, and the princes and governors and captains and the king's counselors being gathered together saw these men upon their bodies. The fire had no power nor as their hair of their head singed, neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of fire had passed on them. In other words, these three came out of the fiery furnace with no smoke residue on their body. I stop by to tell you that if you, there was the faith of these three Hebrew boys to have a smoke-free life because they had Jesus on their side. You may say, how can I have a smoke-free life? in 2023? That's a great question. Let me close by saying that every, every one of us will face a fiery furnace. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 3 and 12, yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. All of us are going to be talked about, mistreated, lied on, ridiculed, talked about behind our back. And what we need to remember when we're going to go through, the, when the going gets tough, we need to remember that Jesus is our salvation. The Bible says in Matthew eleven twenty eight and thirty, "Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light." Don't you want to trade your heavy burdens for some light burdens in the year of 2023? Will it? Well, if you want to, you have to give them over to Jesus. There's a story about an old woman who was taking a train, and she had two trunks and four suitcases. And she was on that, about to take the train, and the porter came along. 
and was willing to help her out with her luggage. I said, ma'am, are you going to take this trip? And she said, yes. I said, well, let me take your bags because that way you can have an easy trip. And she said, young man, you don't understand. I have carried these two trunks and four suitcases everywhere I go. So I know my luggage, and I can take care of myself. And the porter said, well, ma'am, it's going to be a long trip, and you need to have some relaxation while you're on this trip. So you need to hand your bags over to me so I can take your bags, put them away from you. That way you can get some rest while you travel. The old woman looked at the young man and said, well, you don't understand These bags belong to me, and I know these bags better than you do, young man, and I will take care of my bags. The young man, the porter, said, well, ma'am, I specialize in handling luggage like yours, so hand these bags over to me so you can have an easy time on this trip. And finally, the old woman got upset and mad and said, young man, you're getting on my nerves. By the way, who are you? And he, the man tipped his cap, and the young man tipped his cap and said, I'm glad you asked. My name is Jesus. God has controlled this training, and the Holy Spirit is the engineer. And I stopped by to tell you, I can take care of your burdens in the new year. You may ask, what must I do to be saved so I can get the, my burdens light lightened? You've got to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Know about his death, burial, and resurrection, Romans 10:17. You must believe the gospel, John 8, 24. Except you believe I am he, you will die in your sins. And he said, if you die in your sins where I am, you cannot come. You then must repent of your sins. Luke 13, 3 and 5, the Bible says, except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Then you must confess with your mouth the sweetest words that you will ever say. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Acts chapter 8, 36 and 37. And then you go down to liquid to baptism for the remission of your sins, Acts 2 and verse number 38. And in baptism, it, baptism washes away your sins, Acts 22:16. You become a new creature, John 3 and verse number 5. You become a child of God, Galatians 3, 26 and 27. And then you are added to the only church that you can find in God's holy and divine word, and that is the Church of Christ. Acts chapter 2 and verse number 47. I don't know where you are in your life, but if you're listening today and you are a member, you're a visitor, and you want to have a smoke-free life in 2023, I've given you the plan in which you need to follow in becoming a child of God. And if you are, and if you want to find the local Church of Christ in your area, contact Brother Stevie Butler, and he will give you the address and phone number of the Church of Christ where you live, and you can call the minister and say, I heard a brother on the, on the radio show who talked about there being only one church, and I want to be baptized into that one church. And if you are a member of the church and you have not been living right and you need to get yourself together, you tried the world, why don't you try Jesus? Why don't you come on back home and rededicate your life back to him? Because one day, This whole world is going to end, and I don't want anyone not to be on the outside of salvation. That is why we're on here every week telling you what thus saith the Lord. 
without any addition or subtraction of the word of God. I pray this lesson has been beneficial for you, has been <clears throat> understanding that you will make the decision in 2023 to give your life over to Jesus. May God bless you. May God keep you. And Happy New Year in this new year of 2023. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. When God says no, and we want to send him to the edge, just remember, don't forget, Father knows, Father knows what's best, and when I lay awake at night, with tears streaming from my eyes, I remember, God knows what's best. Midnight hour, I was crying and all alone, waiting for an answer. All my hopes gone. I even called on my best friend, and she could not be found. Lord, you said you'll never leave me nor forsake me. Lord, where are you now? I went to church the next Sunday morning Looking for my breakthrough I knew a change would come If I just hold on Cause God's word is true But then the preacher said something And it took me by surprise Sometimes God says no But just like Job you gotta trust him when God says no, but when the preacher said it, and I didn't quite understand it. He said, don't forget, just trust your father, because he knows what's best. When I lay awake in the middle of the night, with tears streaming from my eyes, I remember, Father knows. Because he knows, Father knows, and I started to feel a little better, because he started talking about my Jesus, and the garden of Gethsemane, and how we pray to the Father, let this cup pass from me, then he did just like me, y'all, said he went to his best friend. And his friends let him down He said, my God, my God Why have you forsaken me? Where are you now? You see, sometimes God is moving And we don't understand See, Jesus paid the cost When we were lost 
Listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Ladies and gentlemen, that's our show. Uh, I'd like to apologize. At the beginning of the show, we did have a mix up. Uh, my original lineup, I had to make a last minute change uh, due to some circumstances that would be on my control, but we got it together. So everything worked out well. Ladies and gentlemen, that's our show. I want to thank you for spending a little time with us this evening on Study of God's Word. I want to thank both of my co-hosts, uh, Steve Cordell and Brian Christian Coleman, for their presentation of the Gospel of Christ on the broadcast. Also, my co-host, Glenn McMillian, he always does a great job in answering our shouted-out questions. So we certainly appreciate all of the efforts from everyone that's involved in the show on this evening. What a blessing it is to be able to put on this show on a weekly basis. It's my prayer that these lessons were given have been beneficial to your spiritual lives. And your relationship with the Lord has been strengthened because you not only tune in this radio broadcast, but you've given yourself over to a study of God's word. So until we meet again, I pray God's continued blessings upon your lives and that he bless you real, real good. You've been listening to the Gospel Light radio show. On behalf of my co-hosts, we really do appreciate your love and support for these programs. I'm your host, Stephen R. Butler. Good night, everybody. God bless you. You're listening to the Gospel Light radio show. I'm not ashamed to live for Jesus, it's the best life, that's for sure. I'm not ashamed to defend his name, cause he died for mine and yours. He gave his promise, died and honor, he committed to stay on the cross. And one day I'm gonna stand beside him and thank him for the blood he
way I think it ought to be But we ain't arguing if it's wrong or right So don't judge us by what you see on the news at night They quick to say a rapper been shot down It ain't a rapper putting a six feet in the ground It's the life they live The killers be killers to make the whole rapper sing sing hell We started rapping just to say so Bring some folks closer to the Lord. Closer he gets to you, the more he make you see. When you give him what you got, you can gain a victory. So money and clothes, now I really don't care. You can go on with the things that I'm trying to get up there. Where I can walk down them streets and go. Put my sword in the sand and let go of the heavy load. Yeah. been listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show, episode 292. Your blessing, blessing to me, Lord.